Recruiters, hello. I just wanted to jump on and do a very quick introduction to this episode. It's a slightly different one. I'm joined by Elliot, who runs his own podcast called The Search. And we thought we would team up after interviewing a large number of high-performing recruitment professionals and leaders and compare notes. So we went away and wrote down our sort of five most common traits that we've seen in the recruiters that we've interviewed. And we went back and forth and and spoke a bit about why we think that is. And uh, yeah, made for a, a very interesting episode. He's also shared this episode on his own podcast. So I hope you enjoy it. It's slightly different, but again, tons of value. Enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Search. Um, I mean, this is a very different episode for, for me today and also for, for Hisham, who's joining me as well. Um, but we wanted to put together some ideas. Um, Hisham is someone that I respect and have seen a lot of in the recruitment market um, for the recruitment mentors program. But um, I'm Elliot. I run a rhetoric business called Cayman Recruitment. I run a podcast called The Search, which is all to do with leadership. So um, I was keen to touch base with you, Hisham, and find out how you're getting on and how your market is and share some ideas. Yeah, amazing. Well, yeah, likewise, I guess, obviously, this is all I'm also going to put this on the, the recruitment mentors podcast. And we thought that we'd join forces. We've been speaking to a lot of people yep. and we've both written down sort of our sort of five most top common habits that we see in, yeah, high-performing leaders, successful people that we've interviewed and yep. we're going to go a bit of back and forth and, and see what we uh, come up with. So Sounds good. why don't you go first and then I'll, I'll follow. Cool, let's do it. But so one of the main points I come up against with a lot of the leaders that I talk to and you know there's there's been quite a few of recent which has all been about virtual leadership and management I've always been really keen to find out how people have adapted to this new reality that we are working Mm. in um I, I think the most common response that I'm getting from the virtual side of it is they have built more relationships of their teams uh and their consultants more than ever um more recently and got to know them a little bit more on a personal level yeah i think yeah i think the conversation that i've had it's either gone that way or it's gone the complete opposite really <laughs> in what yeah, way so it, as in it's either got it's either you've got close of your team you've had to really work hard on sort of finding out what what's worked for them and yeah tr- trying to be the, the best leader you can be yeah. but then on, on the flip side um for, for the leaders that may have found it tough uh, or may have found it hard to to adapt um, have then pushed to people, making feel like that they are being micromanaged from afar, right? Yeah. If they're having too many checking calls or feeling like they're being checked up on, and obviously the whole thing that came up at some point around, yeah, I mean, I've heard stories where people will sign in, sign in on a Zoom call yeah. at eight thirty, and then they have to stay on that Zoom call for a long period of time so people can actually see that they're yeah. at their desk, right? So, so I guess what I want to say was it's either gone that way yeah. or it's gone the other way really um but no doubt it's a challenge yeah i feel like they're all remaining positive when i speak to them and they're not telling me the i suppose the (laughs) other side of it which i can understand you know when we've kind of established ourselves you know that we're spending a lot of time doing that and it does take up a lot 
when you're in office, do you sit and have that many conversations and I suppose kill that much time through the day? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think the other part to it is, which I find interesting is um, obviously, yeah, look, you're, you're in the rep to rep business. So like we've all looked being in a recruitment office and they've got the, 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 uh, the bell ringing for deals. They've got the, the gong banging going on or whatever, but sort of an interesting conversation that's come up in the, the community recently is like, how, how are people actually celebrating those wins remotely? Cause, that, cause that's quite difficult. Yeah, that's a really right? good one. So um, yeah, there's, there's a few things, but I think that that's really hard to create. I think like yeah. a lot of people say they've got WhatsApp groups and they're celebrating small wins and these things, but that sort of, as you know, right, that camaraderie and there's, there's nothing better than walking up to the fee board and putting a, a brand spanking new, new deal on there. Yeah. In front of everybody and, as well. Yeah. In front of yeah. everyone. Exactly. In front of your peers. Like there's, and like, so I think, I think definitely people are excited to be able to get more of those feelings back. Cause I think although yeah. people can jump on a zoom call and, and do a bit of a deal dance and get music on and, and maybe do things like that, yeah. I'm not quite sure it, it's sort of the same essence. Yeah. It's, um, it doesn't have the same feeling. But I think like what we what we've started to do at Cayman even is we've got a WhatsApp group and anytime someone does a deal, you've got to put a bell in the group. And it has to be <laughs> something different, a different gif, a different video. Um, but it has to go in the group to kind of share the success, if you like, and the small wins. Um yeah. but so it seems like that's super important. Yeah, definitely. Um, so so the first point that I put down is uh yeah, self-awareness. Yeah. So I just, I just think this is is so important and something that I always see in in sort of high performing recruiters. So for me, what comes up for me in this is, is two parts. So one, the sort of real willingness to take responsibility at looking at yourself and where you can improve, um, and just that willingness to look at yourself to find out where you need to improve, basically. Yeah. Um, but the other part to it is, which is also under this. Uh, sort of heading is is being reflective uh, i think the i think the best recruiters always make time and the space to go how could i've done that better yeah. or why has this deal fallen through and actually make the time to go through that rather than pointing the finger right and and they take full responsibility and they're, they're willing to look in the mirror and go right how can i improve and get better yeah so so i think for me the first one that i put on there is just this willingness this constant ongoing uh, willingness to look at themselves on how they can improve how can Definitely. they um what are the areas that they need to improve and that that willingness to have that self-awareness which is difficult at times yeah um is something that i want to i put at the top of the list yeah i mean it's easy for a lot of people in recruitment and a lot of recruiters that we speak to to sit and complain about problems and things that that's not going right and issues and trust me that we're the first people they end up calling um you know at that point but at the end of the day like there's always a case of is there's always a solution behind every problem that they can create or, you know, or, or, or I suppose implement. And that's something that a lot of people in recruitment need to be aware of that there's every, there's a solution for everything. Um, and that's something that we see a lot of, you know, in this game, but if they've got the right people around them, then you've got all those people as well to, to help them identify and be aware of what that could be. Yeah, absolutely. But that, that was, that was definitely the first point for me. Yeah. Brilliant. Fine. So I've got one here, which is all about the health and wellness and something that we've all been 
um, looking at a lot recently and talking about more so than ever for the last year. It's always a big subject of mine that um, means a lot. But I, a lot of people at the moment are trying to better themselves, not just from a working perspective, but from a health and well-being aspect and putting themselves in, in you know, a lot of the... Um, let's just say the charity runs have been going through, you know, they've been going through just putting themselves through their paces and um, giving themselves more challenges in life, you know, that it's going to help them mentally. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think, yeah, we've, we've been on a real journey right over the last year. And I think yeah. um, if you haven't made the space and time to, yeah. And this is something I always battle with because I'm, I'm sort of someone that can quite easily just put all my eggs in, into the work basket. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, people have really tried to learn and find out, yeah, what else they need to be doing in their life. Call it balance, call it whatever you need. But if you're someone that, I don't know, needs to get out and walk a lot, get get out and do running, like just, yeah, you need to, I mean, if you don't have health, you, you don't have anything, right? So I think exactly. uh, that, yeah. that's been definitely really important. And I think the int- what you just said there around... Um, yeah, I know you said the charity piece, but just on that really quickly, maybe a, a separate point, but yeah, um, yeah, definitely seeing a lot of uh, businesses run fantastic charity campaigns, which I, I think is awesome. Yeah, there's more so I've seen of those than ever before, but even mm. just little things like reading a book, just step away. You know, I had um, a few conversations with some recruiters and I said to them, look, if your lunch is your lunch break, it's your lunch break, whether you're at home or not, go out, go, as you said, go for a walk um go and watch tv for 10 minutes you know just go and talk to someone go and um go and do something different that's not work-based so that you can actually look after yourself yeah yeah you're right i think and again i find this really hard yeah <laughs> I, i'm i'm quite lucky i i the office that i'm in it's a 30 minute walk from the flat so i've got that separation yeah but when i did i had three months working from a breakfast bar table at my girlfriend's house and yeah. that was really difficult and I think yeah it can all it can be all consuming right yeah. and I think that the the challenging part about it is that when you're working in the other spaces that you may watch telly and these types of things yeah um is that when you then end up having that time guilt might start trickling in right because you're like yeah. oh, I could be doing this work or I should be doing this blah 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 so it's hard <laughs> I think one one last little sort of point to make on this and something I've seen a lot and I thought I'd bring it up on this is that if you step away from your computer and, you know, you've got your boss on your case who's looking at, you know, your, how much, how long you've been on when you last signed into the system and when you've been on, it was like, I think at that point, if you need to step away, not to worry so much about that. And a lot of recruiters mm. do struggle with that worry and that paranoia of, yeah, but they're not going to, I'm not doing any work. Like you need to be honest with your business at that point And I suppose give yourself that break. Um, or just, yeah. just even if you send a message saying, I'm just stepping away for 20 minutes, that's better than not, you know, and was, I suppose make you feel a bit better about it. Yeah. Nice. So, so, so the next point that I had was, um, a constant appetite to learn. Yeah. I think for me, yeah, the, the, the best recruiters that I've interviewed have just ongoingly had the, the mindset they can always be learning. Yeah. They're, they're people that may have been in, in the sort of uh, industry for 10, 15, 20 years, but still are willing to learn from, from people that are very early on in, in their recruitment career. Yeah. Um, so I think there's just the, this, this common attitude um, which is just to never stop learning and yep. always being open to it rather than being someone that we've always done it this way and we, and we know it works this way 
rather listen and yeah like be open to potential new ideas new ways of doing things and i think people that really take their own development seriously are, are high performers are recruiters yeah. at the top of their game like they're not relying on their company going oh elliot we've, we've bought this new we've got this new trainer in for you like they're they're the they're the, the, the high performers and top billers are people that are out there looking for the best trainers out there looking for the best books to read they're out there looking for the courses to en enroll themselves in or at least they're, they're trying to find that out and then they can then bring that to to people inside the business that they work for definitely but for me there's yeah just a, a mindset of always wanting to learn um, and develop and sort of it's an ongoing thing like yeah they don't think that yeah i've i've done i've completed recruitment yeah. <laughs> right no 100 i i spoke to someone um not long ago and they moved away from recruitment in their business but stayed within a recruitment company and they developed themselves to more of op an operational role so they can self you know develop and learn etc but the one thing that stood out for them is always taking accountability for anything that they want and don't want to do and that really has stuck with me that if you want to progress and you want to learn and you want to do more and have more you've got to take accountability and make that happen for yourself it's never just going to sometimes just come to you um and sometimes half of us aren't even aware that that's what the person next to us really wants because they never say anything um yeah no you you bring up a good point right obviously you you spend a lot more time speaking to recruiters and what they want out of their careers and things like this right but the, the real common driver is going to be a career progression right and, yeah. and and development and ongoing development so i think you're completely right the the recruiters that i've interviewed that have gone from that whole journey from trainee all the way up to to director let people know in their their business that that's what they wanted 100%. Um, and i think sometimes miss people miss that trick that they don't if I work for you and I pull you aside and go, Hey, Leo, look, so this is where I am today, but this is where I want to be. Then you know that, right. And, and the, the people that get the opportunities or what's going to give you the best chance to get the, the promotion over the person next to you is by letting people know that that's what you're going for. And, and like yeah. you said, rather than being someone that goes, Oh, I'll build this this month. So I thought I'd get this. Well, no, yeah. did your company know that that's what you wanted or what? Like, so yeah, you're completely right. That also translates into progressing your career. It's the first thing we ask if someone says they're unhappy. The first thing I say to them is, well, have you spoken to your boss about it? Have you spoken to your team leader? Have you told them, have you made them aware of how you feel and where you're at and what you actually really want? Don't just try and leave a business in in my opinion just so that you can go and get progression elsewhere when you haven't even made the effort in your current place who might give it to you they just don't know that you really want it so don't be afraid mm. to speak up absolutely nice so i've got on mine uh the next one which is progression um but we've just touched on that you know um so we've covered that off in terms of how much we hear of people wanting to progress but if that's what you want again take accountability and what is it that typically up. people want though out of interest they want to be i suppose um they always just want more everyone in recruitment always wants more <laughs> you know whether it's more money more deals more candidates more clients or you know they always want to step up to the you know then go forward but i think a lot of people in recruitment is, is just um, just not haven't got the um I just suppose they just don't want to say that and they don't want to speak up and explain that even if they feel like because they haven't built enough, they can't get what they want still. I feel like that's a lot of the stuff really? that we come across and they might have better attributes in other areas of the business that can help them perform and use their talent. But a lot of them just af afraid is the word I was looking for. Really? Yeah. I think um, this came up in 
the community recently be good if you're talking about progression just out of interest to get your thoughts on this because I'm, I'm sure you've heard stories like this but yeah obviously the, the typical route that comes under progression for recruiters is is going into management right Mm. So, so the question is, if I'm someone listening to this that does want to progress, but for me, progression isn't going into management that I know that isn't something that I want. Like how, how can I progress as a biller? So I take a give an example. There's a lady called Jess Hudson, who's at Investigo and someone that I had spoken to on a podcast. And she told me that she never wanted to manage. It wasn't really a thing for her. She was just in a funny way, just selfish. She just wanted to do her own yeah. thing. And she didn't feel like that was the best thing. However, there's some people in her business that might have been looked at in, more respect, in a more respectful way because they wanted to manage. manage but, yeah. but she just wanted the principal route. And all she did was speak to the bosses of the business and say, look, I want to be a principal. I don't want to manage. I just want to build and I want to progress that route and that way. And if you're working for the right company, they will work around that and work towards that with you. Um, mm. so I guess at that point it goes back to just speaking up and speaking to the right people and expressing that's what you, how you see it going and see fit. And if they see the value in you and they've got the respect that you hope that they would have for you, they'll work with you on that. Um, yeah, I guess it's, I think the interesting conversation is like, what, what does that actual progression look like? Do you know what I mean? That's the, cause I think yeah. that, it's quite unique, isn't it? Cause it's like, yeah, I can give you a billings target and you hit that and then you exceed this. I don't know. I might Get, you might get you as a senior principal, but then what does that mean? And what extra, do you know what I mean? So I think can, that's the interesting thing. You can still be a director and have shares and equity in a business just from a principal mm. route. You know, you've made your just as much money and much effort as anybody else might have done. So you can still progress to the top of the game as anyone else would. Um, but then at that point, rather than necessarily um, billing, you can you, know, you could look at roots of how can I account develop? How can I use all the skills yeah, exactly, that I've had yeah. as an individual contributor and then, work towards that as a director and there's so many but again if you're not sure and there's a kind of concern around that the boss of the business will work that out with you and come up with a plan um that gets all your skill set out of you to work you know to make it work yeah absolutely like that yeah cool so so the next point that i had was um ethical and and what i mean by this is i don't, I don't know if you've noticed this um elliot but for me like the, there's definitely a lot of um people starting their own recruitment business. Yeah. I know, I know that's a lot of people start up their own recruitment business per year, but it seems like, yeah, COVID could potentially have, have definitely accelerated that. Yeah. And, and from the businesses that I see start their own business, the people behind it, it, it just really feels like they're just standing for that, that bit more. It seems like, um, and I know everyone says that they're, they're different right yeah. at the beginning and they want to be different. Right. However, I don't know. I'm seeing companies start and sort of openly committing and pledging that they're going to donate X percentage of all of their profits to a charity that's close to their home. Or it might be that they're a company that is, is really trying to move the needle on, on diversity and inclusion, or it even might be around the sort of mental health in the workplace. But yeah. when I say ethical, I'm, that, they're the sort of things that come up for me. I think for me, what from my lens what is definitely highlighted over the last year uh sort of the if you're someone that was transactional and sort of only cared about the the pound sign um then i don't know how much success you've had over the last year i, I, yeah. I don't know i feel like for, for the recruiters that are generally motivated by doing the right thing and um sort of yeah not not pushing people into things just to benefit them but actually yeah. pay it forward to their market helped when when they needed it 
um, uh, are the people that are really gonna continue to have success in the recruitment industry. Yeah. And for me, yeah, like the top performers that I've spoken to and interviewed on the podcast on, on, I know we use that word selfish. Yes, you do have to be an element of selfish to get to the top for sure. But yeah. that, that doesn't, that I think a lot of people think that comes with like being cutthroat and all these things. Like from what I'm seeing, like the best recruiters aren't that. No, <laughs> they may have been at some, yeah. at some stage, they may have been. However, we're talking about having a sustainable career in recruitment. Yeah. Those people um, can like strive to do the right thing. That, yeah. that, that's what comes up for me. And, and that's why I put that. Cause I think it isn't something that you typically associate with a, a high billing recruiter, but it's definitely something that I see in, in the high performing recruiters that I interview. Yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of the people that I've spoken to and someone that actually gives me advice is, you know, always strive to sometimes, you know, to try and be different and stand out as much as you can and what you're doing and how you're doing it. And if you're just going to go and, and this is just my opinion, if you're going to go and just set up another agency and do it the same way that you've, you're, you know, you've done before in terms of how your old firm have done it, you know, you're not, what, what, what difference are you going to make for that company to want to work with you against you know, another company. And I feel like if you stand for something different and you stand for something that you really truly believe in, you know, that's the, the, the that's the new fresh modern approach that I suppose is going to build our industry. And I suppose for a lot of clients of theirs going to make them stand out. Oh, that client. Oh, do you remember speaking with Bill that from that recruitment company that are donating 5% of their fee to charity or, mm. you know, this company all about you know, diversity and inclusion, you know, they've got a really good, powerful meaning to their firm. Let's work with them. Just something that's going to stick. Um, yeah, exactly. And I think that the key part to highlight there is that I think it's, it's the intention that, that, yes. that, that really matters. But I think from, from the people that I see in the conversations that I have, I think that's what's amazing to see is that the intention is authentic and, and it's true. And, and I think that's uh, amazing. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of different things. And a lot of the recruiters that I've spoken to over the last eight years now, a lot of them have set up their own businesses and have done things so differently that it's worked out extremely well. But I've also, don't forget, you know, like you've said before, I've also seen a lot of the high performers that have worked for some firms that don't buy into their firms and their businesses that have left to set up their own ones have just, you know, just done as, as well as anyone else would have done and have mm. been very successful. Um, so I think there's... There's still definitely two ways to look at it, but you know, either stand out and have something different to offer, um, or be that high performing biller and you can still just be as successful. Yeah, for sure. So um, my one's actually a good subject for you. It's all about mentors. Um right. and something I think is a important part to and it's an important question I ask anyone that's on the podcast that's a successful recruiter and leader is who helped you who taught you where did you get your insights and information from and i think that without those people and that without that resource behind them would they be as successful as they are um i don't think some of them would have been um and i think that they've been fortunate to have that ability and that behind them but there's not enough of it which is kind of where you know it's a good subject for you to take over and about what you what you do and what you're offering to recruiters yeah for sure i think um yeah, I think that's such a great question to ask. And I think sometimes I think people have in their head that sort of, yeah, oh, a mentor is like this sort of big thing, right? But anyone could could have been a mentor to you, right? Could have been someone that has only been in oh. recruitment for maybe, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is that anyone can be a mentor to you, right? So I think that's the first thing. It isn't this sort of special relationship or arrangement that you have with yeah. someone. It could be someone that 
yeah, it's like a year down the line that gave you some really sound advice. It could be your your first boss at your first agency that you still stay in, stay in touch with. Um, but I think you're right. Obviously, as a lot of a lot of recruitment early on, and you're learning a lot of it is on the job, and you're there's a lot of firsts. Yeah. So I think having access to people that have already experienced those firsts yeah. is huge. Um, and I think sort of, yeah, I guess with recruitment mentors, that was part of it because there, as you'll know, there's a lot of small, small grown recruitment businesses that maybe that sit under sort of sub 20 staff. Yeah. And sometimes, um, it, it can be limited who you can access and learn from, yeah, from the people just around you or the time that they can give you or the sort of resources that your business has. So I think, um, yeah, that that's a, a big part as to why we're trying to give that sort of on demand or at least offer a place for yeah. recruiters that want it to, to have access to some people that um, have trodden the path that they want to get onto that, that can act as mentors from afar and um, on demand. Yeah, look, looking at, I mean, like I follow what you guys do and looking at a lot of subjects that you talk about is so relevant. And when businesses have said to me, which they still do, in the, you know, now, you know, can you recommend any good sales trainers and people that can come in and help us with our internal talent, L&D, et cetera? Uh, you know, I've always um, had no problems in recommending certain individuals, but you but now you've got this kind of resource. So I don't think you can, it's priceless the information that you can get from recruiters who have been there, done it, have you know, experienced it, can give the right advice, you know, from a fresh and modern approach um, is, is second to none. And I think that a lot of recruiters could do with that. And if they don't get it internally, then, you know, there's so many people out there that you guys have got in, in your business that can help them, um, which is, something that i think yeah as i said before and i've is it's priceless no yeah no i appreciate that i think yeah i think the the, the points are underlined which, which sort of really resonates with people is yeah just actually learning from people that are sort of doing it today and have been successful in, in the current market right i think that's the the point that um people are really after yeah so 100%. next point that i have then is uh, and, and you hear this a, a lot, right? And I know that you sort of put this down as well. So if I, I'll sort of um, just share what comes up for me and then feel free to add in the thing. So yep. yeah, purpose-driven, right? So okay. I guess, why, why, why is this important? So I think, look, recruitment can be a really sort of thankless job at times, yep. right? So I think why this is important and why a lot of sort of high performers have this or have a purpose or understand why they're doing what they're doing is because when, when the chips are down and yeah, it's really tough. Yeah. You've got to have something. You've got to have clarity on why you're doing what you're doing yeah. and why it's important to you. Cause if you don't, then it's, it's going to be a struggle. Um, it really is. So yeah. the sort of purpose driven for me is it, it can. And again, like I don't think it needs to be like this official thing where, every single minute of the day you're thinking about your purpose, right? But you do need to think about it. However, it can change. It, it can most certainly change. The, purp your, the purpose um, and why you do what you do might, might be different early on in your recruitment career to, to when it is five, six, seven, ten years down the line. Yeah, but I think the important thing here is that you're asking the important questions, which is why are you doing what you're doing and, and, and willing having the willingness to go deeper than that and, and keep asking yourself why, okay, so why is that important to me? Why do I want to build this much? Like yeah. why, 
why do I get um, a lot from helping people? Why do I want to work? Like, why do you do what you do? Yeah. And I think that's important because when, as I said, things get tough, you've got something hopefully that gets you excited. Yeah. That's something that you, you've got a real anchor point as to, look, I've just been rejected five, 10, 15 times in a row. That's okay. Cause I know what the bigger picture is and I know why I'm here and, and what I'm doing. Yeah. So that's, that's what comes up for me on the, on the purpose piece. There's loads of points on, on the whole purpose thing that, you know, could be brought up, but it does boil down to one thing at the end of it. And as, as a recruiter, when you've done that deal and it's taken you three months and it's a hard search and you've really struggled with it and you sit there and you get it over the line and you ring that bell and you turn around and say, which most cases people do, this is why I do this job. You know, this is why I love this job. You know, it all comes down to that around that and when you haven't got to that point you know you've got every other struggle out there to i suppose to make you think otherwise um which is you know the challenges in itself but every challenge that you face in recruitment is a challenge that you can use and take away with you for i suppose in life um is what i see a lot and i think that if most you know with dealing with a candidate and an objection objective handling you know you could use that when you go to buy a car you know, when you go and mm. negotiate on a house, you know, you're learning so much. So don't, I would just say massively, like, don't try and be narrow minded about your purpose of in, you know, why have I done that? What's the point? You know, look mm. at the bigger picture is what I'm trying to get at. Look at the bigger yeah, picture. Yeah. Don't be narrow minded about um, a purpose of it's just recruitment. There's so many more skills and attributes you can learn and take away from it. Yeah. And I think, and I think why this is why this is important as well. I spoke a lot around yeah when when it's tough and you're facing challenges. But actually, from from a lot of um, yeah a lot of recruiters that that have done really well financially, this is also important for for the recruiters that are making a lot of money, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I I, like, I always remember it that it, it wasn't loads of money, right? But when I got my biggest paycheck yeah. from recruitment, I, I was like probably building it up. Had had my best ever month money hit my account and didn't feel anything. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So like, I think this is also important to think about because like when you do hit that mega month that you've been dreaming about, yeah. Don't be surprised if it only lasts for a couple of hours. Like, like you said, ring that bell, sit back to your seat and it's like, right, what's next? Yeah. That's what it should (laughs) be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, So like, I think this is also important to like, sort of challenge and get people to think about it. Like if you're, if you're at the top of your game and you're making a lot of, a lot of money and you're, you're hitting, you're constantly hitting the hitting things, there will be a point where you may have everything that you want. Right. Yeah. So this is really important for those people that are high performers that are top of their game to also think about why you're doing what you're doing. Cause trust me, I've spoken to so many highly successful recruiters who you may think, well, they've done really well. They've got everything that they wanted. Like how can they not be motivated? Well, actually it's cause they've got everything that they wanted. So what then they'd typically be motivated by getting this, that, and, and all these types of things, because that, yeah. that's what they wanted and they've got it all. So now yeah. what? So no, I think it. that's another really important point to think about. Yeah, definitely. And I, I can go like a bit deeper and just sort of to finalize what you kind of, what I've said, you know, what you're saying is you go home, look at what you've got around you, what you've paid for and what you've achieved. And that's your purpose. You know, look at, mm. you know, the position that you're in, um you know the money that you earn and that's your purpose you know those big billers that are earning six figures or having some monster months because their contract the book so high they wouldn't have the lifestyle they have if they've got everything they want without it being in that position and if you took that all away from them i think nine times out of ten they'll kind of question what their purpose is you know and how they're even going to maintain that purpose because without that 
I suppose, success that they've had, it wouldn't mean anything to them. Mm. Yeah. Nice. So right. that's my point. So, I mean, I've covered all mine off. Is there any more of yours? Yeah, yeah. So I've got one more. So. Yeah. So for, last one that I've got is, and, and it may seem a bit boring, but <laughs> it's just something that I see time and time again in, in, in great recruiters. Yep. And the great recruiters take organization seriously. So I just see this time and time again. They're, like The best recruiters are non-negotiable yep. with their day plans, with protecting their time, with just like working out what is the formula that works for them. Okay. Right? And everyone has to work out what works for them. Yep. But for me, the best recruiters can tell you, if I ask you, what does a t- typical day look like for you? And yes, things can change. And you might get a call that might sort of um, throw a spanner in the works. But nine times out of 10, a great recruiter will go, this is typically what a day looks like. Um, eight to eight thirty, I'll do this. Nine till 10, I'll do this. Like that's precise. And um, the the, the best recruiters know what activities they need to prioritize and know, as I said, what the formula is that can give them the best possible chance of achieving the outcomes that that, that they need and and they want. So for me, I just wanted to, the the sort of final point I wanted to highlight is that the the best recruiters take organization seriously. And you may put that in the sort of admin boring camp, actually the, the recruiters that take the time to plan, to strategize, to map out that client and then go and approach that client, whatever it may be, uh, are the recruiters that, trust me, are, are likely going to be at the top of the leaderboard. Yeah. Oh, no, I completely agree with you. Like, um, There's a recruiter that I've once spoken to and they've got a million pound desk. To maintain and build to a million pound desk takes a hell of a lot. You know, it's not easy. And when I said to them, like, how do you, how, how do you get to that point? You know, what have you done? They are so process and routine driven that Mm. they've found that formula that you mentioned that works for them. And they have got their CRM to a T, you know, they've done their admin, they've got this CRM to a point where it's just a normal thing for them. They've got their diary management, you know, wrapped up that they know exactly when they're doing what, where, and why. And as soon as a job comes in, they know exactly where to go and how to find that candidate that's already on their network somewhere that they've built. And they've just mapped it out so well that it's a, let's just say it's like a machine, you know, that makes them bill a million pound a year. And I think you're right, Jim, like if you haven't got that kind of, um, I suppose that management and routine in your day to day, you know, it's going to be quite tough and it's really even more challenging to get to that point of, of higher success. Yeah, absolutely. I think what, when you say that, that like it's a machine, it's for me, what, when you say that, what you're basically saying is that they, they, they don't spend any time on thinking what they need to do. Like yeah. they, they know what they need to do. Do you know what I mean? So I think that that's the thing is like, if you turn up every day to work and you already know you have a clear idea of what you need to do for today to be a good day, yeah, you're in such a strong position, Definitely. like you're in such a strong position. Um, and then, yeah. And, and I just think that's, that's so important. Yeah. And sometimes can be sort of underlooked as like admin and these types of things. And then I think in today's day and age, part of organization is being, is not being distracted. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, like, that is, yeah. Mm. We all have that problem, right? You know, and we all have so much that we do back to back and we're all busy with, you know, getting on with our day that something is there that's always going to distract us, but it, and that's fine. But if you can figure out a way to, get back to what you're doing in between um, and be af- not be afraid to move things around and say no, like, you know, you'll, you'll be all right. 
you know I, yeah. I feel like i feel that's a lot of people's issues is that they kind of are scared to say no and you know i feel like if you stick to what you are doing and you can say no to someone and come back to it you know it'll be a lot better for you um but that, that's yeah. just my view and what i see yeah absolutely but um, nice. that no, was look, it the top five that's top it five common habits this is what we see nearly every day in recruitment. Um, <laughs> we see a lot more being in rhetoric and there's a lot of subjects and things that go on and we hear in, you know, hear a lot about, but look, you know, it's, recruitment's just like any other industry at the end of the day, you know, it's always got its challenges it faces, but it's always got its main key subject there is that you and I in particular will see a hell of a lot more of. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, really enjoyed this. Excited to, to share this with, the people that listen to the recruitment mentors podcast and yeah, let's definitely do some, some more things um, together in the future. Sounds good. Look forward to it, Hisham. And uh, yeah, likewise, it's been great speaking to you and catching up. Likewise. Cool. You take care. Well done on making it to the very end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I've done my very best to try and level up this podcast that will hopefully mean that you can take even more learnings from these conversations and apply it to your own recruitment career. Like always, if there are any particular topics that you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me. The best place to reach me is on LinkedIn. Send me a message. What would you love me to cover with future guests? And if you have enjoyed the podcast, then it would be amazing if you could leave a honest review in your favorite podcast streaming platform. That will simply mean that we're able to reach more people with this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to subscribe completely free on your favorite podcast streaming platforms. And we'll be back next week with a new episode of the Recruitment Mentors Podcast.